Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode may not be suitable for all listeners. It includes extensive descriptions of human remains and discussions of mortality. Please use discretion when listening to this episode. Thank you. Salam alaikum, peace be upon you. Welcome back to the History of Egypt podcast, episode 151, The Death of Tutankhamun. Today, the moment comes. After nine or ten years in power, King Nebkeperura Tutankhamun reaches the end. How did it happen? Let's explore. This episode comes to you on behalf of Kendra, who joined the Patreon as a priest for an entire year, which is amazing, and I am most grateful. Kendra, may the great goddess Ma'at bring stability and balance to your life. May she repel disorder and establish justice on your behalf. To everyone listening, thank you for joining me. May you enjoy the blessings of Ma'at, who brings balance, thanks to the generosity of Kendra. Please enjoy the show. The year was 1334 BCE, approximately. Regnal year 10 in the reign of Tutankhamun, the king of Egypt. Sadly, this would be his last. Before the year was done, the young ruler would meet his end. Egypt would lose a pharaoh, Tutankhamun would lose his life. The exact date of his passing is uncertain. From his tomb, we have records up to year 9, but it is possible that he reigned a little bit longer. I will go with 10 years for convenience, but as usual, the timing of these events is vague and things can easily change. But we have to start somewhere. So, Regnal year 10, around 1334 BCE. The king was 19 years old, give or take. He was young, but mature. Youthful, but established. In theory, Tutankhamun was in the prime of his life. There were some minor physical issues that I will discuss in a moment, but overall, Tutankhamun should have had many years ahead. Of course, that is not what happened. The king died just shy of his 20th birthday. The circumstances are murky, and there have been many hypotheses. To the general public, the story may be uncertain, even confusing. You've probably heard different things at different times. So, how would an Egyptologist describe and explain the death of Tutankhamun? How did it happen? I won't drag this out. In 2021, the official cause of Tutankhamun's death is unknown. There are a few plausible scenarios and a couple more outlandish ideas. In the past 25 years, scientists have devoted a lot of attention to the king and his mummy. As a result, different hypotheses have appeared in academia and the public sphere. Unfortunately, none of these ideas have gained widespread consensus among Egyptologists. So, for a cautious historian, the pharaoh's death is officially unsolved. Why? 
Sadly, there are several complications. The first problem is the king's mummy. The body of Tutankhamun is in poor condition. This is partly the fault of ancient embalmers. When the king died, the people responsible for his mummification did a lackluster job. For one thing, they poured oils and resins all over his body. The king's mummy is covered in a thick layer of unguents and liquids. At the time, that may have seemed like a good idea. It helped protect the corpse from external damage. Problem is that after 3,000 years, that oily layer caused decomposition. So when archaeologists found the king's mummy, his body was already decaying. Tutankhamun did not enjoy a plump, well-preserved form. Instead, his bones have a fragile layer of skin, and all the muscles have gone. So, since 1922, it has been a serious challenge to study the king in detail. Secondly, the archaeological excavation had some difficulty removing Tutankhamun from his coffin. When the embalmers poured all those resins and oils over the mummy, the oils seeped into the bottom of the coffin. That had an unfortunate side effect. When Howard Carter and his team opened those coffins, Tutankhamun was sort of glued to the casket, so they had trouble getting him out. I am sad to say that in the process, they caused further damage to the body. That is far from ideal, and it causes problems for researchers today. Also, problems for the king. I am sure Tutankhamun is not happy about what happened. Suffice to say, the king's body has suffered a lot. First, the mummification was unsatisfactory, and then the archaeological excavation caused more issues. So, poor Tutankhamun is badly preserved. His tomb was intact and lavish. His body did not enjoy the same fortune. For scientists, the condition of Tutankhamun's mummy is a serious challenge. In theory, the king should be a textbook example of royal mummification. He is the only pharaoh discovered in his tomb, intact and undisturbed. We have the mummies of other kings, but only Tutankhamun is 100% verified and guaranteed original. No tampering, no later intrusions. Pure, organic pharaoh. But sadly, the condition of the mummy is a massive drawback. The king's body does not reveal its secrets easily. And whenever scientists identify some new feature, it takes a long time to confirm or deny the results. So, King Tutankhamun's body has taught us less than we would expect. Fortunately, specialists persevere. The body of this pharaoh has undergone multiple scientific examinations, and over the past hundred years, these studies have produced a range of results. For the rest of this episode, I want to discuss the ideas that have cropped up regarding Tutankhamun's mummy, specifically the life he lived and the way he died. The first study of Tutankhamun's mummy occurred in 1925. That was the year that Howard Carter and his colleagues opened the coffins of Tutankhamun. They had discovered the tomb in 1922, but due to circumstances that I will describe later, it took three years to reach the golden coffins. Finally, in November 1925, that moment came. Howard Carter arranged for a medical professional to study the mummy of Tutankhamun. The results of this study were surprisingly brief. The specialist, named Douglas Derry, made a thorough inspection of the corpse. He covered every inch and described every observable detail. Of course, Derry looked for signs for the causes of Tutankhamun's death, 
but his conclusion was sober. Derry said, quote, The examination of the young king afforded no clue to the cause of his early death. End quote. Likewise, Howard Carter wrote a very brief description. Quote, the remains of the mummy itself show no traces of the cause or causes of the young king's death. End quote. Wow, that is a disappointing start. Douglas Derry and Howard Carter were meticulous in their studies, but the condition of Tutankhamun's body was far too poor. In the anatomical report, we find numerous references to the brittle and cracked state of his skin, the problems caused by a thick layer of oil and resin, and the overall poor state of the mummy. So, in 1925, the science was unable to overcome those problems. They did their best, but the available technology could not penetrate the veil. Basically, scientists would have to wait for Tutankhamun's mummy to reveal its secrets. Right out the gate, scholars were unsure what killed the ruler. For the next 40 years, that was the situation. Tutankhamun was a curiosity, but his body was not giving up the goods. So, the king remained in his tomb. Scientists left him alone. Then, in 1968, things changed. A professor named Ronald Harrison decided to X-ray the mummy of the king. Harrison's project studied the body of Tutankhamun in far greater detail than they could achieve in 1925. There were some interesting conclusions on various physical subjects. Unfortunately, this study also failed to reach a conclusion regarding the death of the king. However, Harrison did speculate on something. During the study, x-rays seemed to show a dark patch on the skull of Tutankhamun. It was at the back of the head, and Harrison wondered if this was a wound. The dark patch might have been the result of a trauma, either an accident or a murder. The X-ray study never reached a full publication. Harrison just released a few preliminary articles. So the idea of Tutankhamun suffering a head wound was tentative at best. It was intriguing, though, and it caught the attention of scholars. Enter Bob Breyer. Fans of Egyptology probably know Dr. Bob Breyer. In the 1990s, he was the go-to guy for National Geographic documentaries and stuff like that. Dr. Breyer is a great figure for the outreach aspect of Egyptology. Growing up, I watched many of his documentaries, and I would credit Dr. Breyer with fanning the flames of my youthful interests. In the late 1990s, Bob Breyer turned his attention to the mummy of Tutankhamun. He had obtained copies of the 1960s X-rays, and he consulted with medical professionals to see if the cause of Tutankhamun's death could find some resolution. The result was his 1998 book, The Murder of Tutankhamun. You can guess what he had concluded. Dr. Breyer presented the hypothesis that Tutankhamun died as the result of a criminal conspiracy, a plot to murder the king. In this idea, a person or group came together to assassinate Tutankhamun and replace him as pharaoh. It was a bold proposal. Dr. Breyer's argument hinged on that possible head wound in the back of Tutankhamun's skull. Based on the x-rays, he suggested that the young king died from a sharp blow to the back of the head. Based on the position of the wound, Dr. Breyer suggested, this attack happened when the king was lying down on his front or his side. So somebody attacked Tutankhamun sneakily. 
The blow was fatal, but not immediately. In Briar's scenario, the king's skull formed something called a chronic subdural hematoma. Basically a collection of blood on the surface of the brain, but beneath the brain's outer covering. These can take days or weeks to form. So, in Briar's hypothesis, Tutankhamun suffered a blow, then lingered for a while, before passing away. As I said, it was a bold proposal, and Dr. Briar has championed this argument for a few years. However, more recent studies throw this idea in doubt. In the early 2000s, a series of CT scans, or computated tomography, studied the mummy once again. Their results, that I will discuss in a moment, suggested that the x-rays from 1968 were incorrect. According to the CT scans, there was no evidence for head trauma in the back of the skull. In short, a new generation of technology seemed to disprove the hypotheses of the past. Hmm. Breyer's argument was circumstantial. In his book, he conceded that the x-rays offered a clue, but that nothing was certain. Even if a head wound did exist, Dr. Breyer noted that Tutankhamun could have suffered an accident. He leaned towards murder, but he still maintained caution. Nevertheless, it seems like the murder hypothesis is probably incorrect. If this was a criminal trial, the judge probably would not convict, based on the current evidence. To be fair, nothing is 100% certain, and future research might change the picture once again. But in 2021, it seems that Tutankhamun did not die as a result of murder. His death must have had a different cause. If Tutankhamun did not die from a head injury, how did he go? The answer still eludes us, but we have a couple more hypotheses to consider, including one that, at the moment, seems the most likely. I won't string you along, I don't reach a firm conclusion, but there are interesting questions and evidence to cover. So, that is after the break. See you in a moment. Chapter 2 The mummy of King Tutankhamun still preserves many of its secrets. Unfortunately, 3,000 years have not been kind to the king. His body has decayed thanks to some questionable methods of mummification, and archaeology of the 1920s did further damage to the corpse. Since then, various studies have tried to identify the cause of his death. So far, none of them have succeeded. In 2005, a new project began. Egyptologist Zahi Hawass and Dr. Sahar Salim, professor of radiology at Cairo University, led an initiative to scan the mummies of the pharaohs. They would use modern forms of CT, or computated tomography scanning, combined with digital imaging software. The idea was to create more three-dimensional images of the royal mummies, including Tutankhamun. That would be a significant leap forward, compared to the old x-rays, which are 2D and tend to emphasize bones. CT scanning can identify soft tissues like muscles or ligaments, and that allows researchers to study and reconstruct a body in far greater detail. So, the initiative was launched, 
a commendable project in my opinion. The results of this project covered many topics and many mummies. Hawass and Salim published the study as a book, Scanning the Pharaohs, in 2016. It's a good publication. I recommend it if you are interested in medical history. Long story short, the CT project worked on several things. First, the scanning would try to reconstruct the bodies of the ancient individuals. They would scan Tutankhamun, for example, in extremely high detail. As a result, the team hoped to gain a better understanding of his life, his physicality, and his death. The results? Well, they were mixed. On January 5th, 2005, the team scanned the mummy of Tutankhamun. Thanks to advances in technology, they were able to scan his body in the Valley of the Kings. The team set up a mobile laboratory with a portable scanner. Then, they carried Tutankhamun out of his tomb, in a special case and stretcher. They took him to the laboratory and did their work. Remarkably, the CT scanning took just 30 minutes, and in that time, the machine captured 1,700 images of Tutankhamun's mummy. Every angle, every part, was analysed to the highest possible level. The great thing about CT scanning is that it is non-invasive. You don't need to touch the body at all. So that is a massive improvement on the old autopsies, and even x-rays to a certain degree. In fact, CT scanning is now the default in forensic Egyptology. In many cases, you can examine a mummy to the microscopic level, and never even touch it. Which is great. Anyway, the team did their study, scanning the body of Tutankhamun. The results were quite interesting. For one thing, the scientific team made a tentative proposal regarding the cause of his death. In their 2016 book, Hawass and Salim suggest that Tutankhamun may have died from an injury. Apparently, the CT scans revealed a wound in the left leg, in the femur, and the back of his knee. This wound may have been open, as in it broke through the skin. And supposedly, it had not started to heal, so the wound may have occurred just a few hours before the king's death. On that basis, Hawass and Salim tentatively suggested that an injury, followed by infection, caused the young ruler's passing. Now, this hypothesis is compelling. It has the advantage of relying on modern medical technology, rather than just eyeballing it like the 1920s, or the limitations of x-rays in the 1960s. CT scans are not perfect by any stretch, but this is an improvement on older data and conclusions, so that is a point in its favour. However, there is some doubt. As I've said, the mummy of Tutankhamun really is in poor condition, so any discussion of wounds in the skin is a bit shaky. Also, the scientific team researching this question was not unanimous in their conclusions. Apparently, there was disagreement whether the leg wound happened before Tutankhamun's death or after. I don't fully understand the technicalities, but the idea seems to be that this break in Tutankhamun's left leg might have happened as a result of mummification or even the archaeological excavation. In other words, it's not entirely clear if that wound is original to the king's life. Strangely, the 2016 publication does not explore this disagreement in detail. Regarding the alternative explanation, Hawass and Salim simply said, quote, 
In the final analysis, this interpretation was rejected. End quote. That is curious. Long-time listeners may remember some questions that arose about the famous DNA study. Basically, the methods and interpretations of that study have often been questioned and criticized. The main problem is that the DNA study did not present its data in sufficient detail, or fully explain the reasons for their conclusions. This is another one of those situations. The book Scanning the Pharaohs is really detailed in many parts, but when it comes to the final interpretations, some things are skimmed over. That is concerning. It makes it hard for someone like me to rely on the results. If I don't know how the team reached a certain conclusion, I don't have the information I need to make a proper assessment. So, like the 2010 study, there are some gaps in the material. On that basis, the idea of Tutankhamun dying from a leg injury is still uncertain. It may seem likely, and it is based on new data, but there are a couple of questions. Let's assume, for the moment, that this leg injury hypothesis is accurate. That Tutankhamun suffered a leg wound shortly before his death. How would that kill him? A leg injury does not seem like the most immediately life-threatening wound. What could have happened? The argument goes like this. Tutankhamun may have injured his leg while riding a chariot or engaged in some physical activity. The wound broke his leg and left a bleeding gash in the back of his knee. Tutankhamun survived the initial trauma, but the next phase took a dark turn. Following his injury, Tutankhamun may have developed an infection. Perhaps he slipped into a fever or coma as his body fought to protect itself. Eventually, the king bled to death, or he developed an embolism, a type of blood clot. Either way, something happened that triggered a catastrophic overload in his immune system. The king's ability to recover disappeared, and he faded away. That is the broad hypothesis from the CT scanning project. Tutankhamun injured his leg, the leg became infected, and that is what killed him. Overall, it is a plausible scenario. The CT scans did propose some interesting ideas, and for now, this is the strongest evidence we have regarding the king's life and death. Whether you believe the leg injury hypothesis may come down to personal assessment, but for now, it is a decent scenario, and it is based on the most up-to-date information. Those are points in its favour. Finally, there is one more hypothesis for Tutankhamun's death, or at least his life. Apparently, Tutankhamun may have suffered from illnesses. Fair enough, diseases and viruses kill far more humans than accidents or murder, so we should definitely consider the young king's pathology, how he lived, what diseases he experienced, and whether he could have died from them. The DNA study of the royal mummies that I mentioned earlier examined the body of Tutankhamun. One of the interesting proposals concerned the king's diseases. You see, according to the DNA analysis, the king may have had malaria. The DNA studies suggested that Tutankhamun had traces of Plasmodium falciparum. This is the bacteria that causes malaria. 
it is a horrible illness with all sorts of painful conditions, and of course, it can be fatal. To this day, malaria is an ongoing problem in many countries. It kills millions of people every year. So it is possible that young Tutankhamun experienced this disease a couple of times, and it is theoretically possible that malaria killed the king. However, there is disagreement. The DNA study attracted a great deal of criticism and many questions about the data and conclusions. I've discussed all of that previously, particularly episode 128. Long story short, Tutankhamun might have had malaria, it's certainly plausible, but the data is not necessarily reliable. With that in mind, we can't use malaria as a cause of death, or at least it's one of the weaker hypotheses. Again, it is plausible, and future research might change all of these questions. But for now, the science is inconclusive. If Tutankhamun did have malaria, what effect would that have on him? If it didn't kill the king, could it maybe have contributed? Well, possibly, yes. If Tutankhamun had malaria once, or even twice, during his life, the young king seems to have survived. Malaria is terrible, but it's not always fatal. And if you survive this disease, you do build a limited resistance for a while. So, Tutankhamun might have had malaria, but if he did, he probably recovered and carried on. With that in mind, malaria probably wasn't the direct cause of his death. However, even if you survive, malaria can have long-term effects on the immune system. Basically, although Tutankhamun recovered, the malaria could have damaged his immunity and overall strength. As a result, the young pharaoh may have been vulnerable to other diseases, or even to injuries. It is possible that Tutankhamun experienced malaria once or twice and recovered, but the disease took a toll, and when the young king suffered a terrible injury, his immune system was unable to recover. As a result, the king may have died from complications caused by earlier diseases. The malaria, or whatever it was, did not kill him immediately, but it contributed to his overall health. So, diseases and an injury may have worked together to eventually kill the king. Again, that is just a hypothesis. It is tentative, and scholars disagree, but malaria and its long-term effects may have been a factor. In the past hundred years, the mummy of Tutankhamun has undergone several major studies. Each one has given its own picture of the king's life and his death. Along the way, the common theme of these examinations is uncertainty. No matter the age or the technology, every conclusion seems tentative at best, unlikely at worst. So in 2021, the cause of Tutankhamun's death technically remains unsolved. It is a lingering challenge in forensic Egyptology. To be fair to the scientists, Tutankhamun's mummy is in poor condition. Although his tomb was intact, the king did not receive a perfect embalming. The body degraded terribly over the centuries, and then archaeology of the 1920s did its own damage. As a result, every study must deal with unsatisfactory conditions and incomplete data. This makes it hard to reach a conclusion. So far, 
there is nothing in Tutankhamun's mummy that we can point to and say, ah, that is definitely the cause. If you asked my current opinion, I might say that the leg injury is the best hypothesis available. I am not a medical professional, and I have not studied the mummy in person. But at the very least, the injury idea is built on the most recent medical data. That is not perfect, but it makes the hypothesis more likely than murder or something else. So if I had to guess, I would be willing to go with the injury as a cause of death. With that in mind, here is a tentative reconstruction of Tutankhamun's final hours. In 1334 BCE, Tutankhamun was approximately 19 years old. One day, the king went out on his chariot. Perhaps he was hunting. Perhaps he was leading an expedition against rebels or enemies. We do not know. But at some point, the king's chariot ride may have gone disastrously wrong. It is possible that Tutankhamun fell or was pulled from his chariot. The king fell to the ground, striking a rock or an enemy weapon. Something happened that did great damage to his left knee and leg. Perhaps it was an animal attack, like a lion. Maybe it was an accident. Either way, the teenage pharaoh tumbled from his war cart, and within a few seconds, he was lying, wounded, on the ground. The king's servants rushed to attend him, to extricate him, and get him out to safety. They must have been reasonably successful, because Tutankhamun's body does not have any other visible injuries. So whatever caused his fall probably did not last long enough to attack other parts of the body. With that in mind, perhaps an animal or an accident is more likely. Surely, if an enemy got the pharaoh on the ground, they would not hesitate, right? As the servants tried to bring Tutankhamun to safety, a terrible process was unfolding within. The wound in his leg was bleeding, and soon it became infected. Tutankhamun grew feverish as his body heated up to fight off the infection. Unfortunately, the young ruler did not have a strong immune system. Diseases earlier in life may have weakened his ability to fight off these infections. So the fever started accelerating, and soon Tutankhamun was fighting for his life. We do not know where it happened or where the young king was when he died, but die he did. At the age of 19, approximately, young Tutankhamun left the mortal realm. His immune system collapsed as it tried to fight that infection. Then, a series of awful issues piled up, one after another. Blood loss, weakened immunity, and infection combined to overwhelm his nervous system. Tutankhamun's heart gave out, and the king of Egypt died. After a decade in power, the boy king was gone. Tutankhamun's soul, the Ba, left his body and flew towards the west. On earth, the king's limbs grew cold and stiff. The bleeding had stopped, but at a terrible price. The pharaoh was no more. The story I have just told is one hypothesis. It may be correct, it may not. Hopefully, future research will uncover more information and give us a greater picture. For now, this is the best I can do. It is possible that we will never know what killed Tutankhamun. 
after 3,000 years, his passing might be a cold case. The king's mummy has decayed badly, and many physical aspects are simply lost. If Tutankhamun does not have any obvious cause of death, it is possible this question will remain beyond the reach of science. That may be unsatisfactory, but we have to acknowledge it. Maybe we will never know for sure. It is a simple reality. In the words of Dr. Marianne Eaton-Krauss, quote, Only the court physician might possibly have been in a position to tell us why Tutankhamun died. End quote. In other words, after 3,000 years, perhaps the true scenario is beyond our reach. In 2021, the idea that he suffered a leg injury leading to infection is reasonably compelling. This is the scenario that I am going with for now. If anything changes with future discoveries, I will revise this episode accordingly. For now, this may be our best version. King Tutankhamun died around 19 years old. His passing was sudden and unexpected, and it threw the royal house into disorder. Suddenly, the Egyptian government had to prepare a tomb and a burial for the king. Royal workshops had to prepare hundreds, thousands of objects for Tutankhamun's funeral and grave. Over the next few months, the government would become a hive of activity, as organisers and artisans worked as quickly as possible to prepare a royal burial. Tutankhamun should have lived many years to come. Now, everything had changed. Thank you for listening to the History of Egypt podcast. The music for this episode came from Keith Zizzer, Luke Chaos, and Michael Levy. They have generously given me permission to use their songs, and I am most grateful. If you have enjoyed the sounds, follow the links in the episode description and consider supporting their work. Finally, let me thank Andrew, Evan, Jason, Kendra, Kyla, Linda, Terry, and TJ, my priest-level supporters on Patreon. Folks, you are too generous. I am forever in your debt. Thank you for subscribing and helping me do what I love. That is all from me. I will see you next week. Take care, and may Sakmet purge all diseases from your home. May Hapi, Lord of the Nile, cleanse your limbs and wash away any impurities. May you enjoy a happy and healthy day. What did it take to survive an ancient siege? Why was the cult of Dionysus behind so many slave revolts in ancient Rome? What's the tragic history and mythology behind Japan's most haunted ancient forest? We're Jen. And Jenny. From Ancient History Fangirl. Join us to explore ancient history and mythology from a fun, sometimes tipsy perspective. Find us at ancienthistoryfangirl.com or wherever you get your podcasts.